That's so on brand for you. So on brand. Yep, very on brand. Hey everyone, welcome to the That's So On Brand podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Mann. I'm a graphic designer and business coach, and I am endlessly fascinated by other people's passions. It's our passions that make us unique, relatable, and people that others want to work with and get to know. I'm on a mission to get people thinking about their story and how their life experiences have molded them into the entrepreneur, athlete, or professional that they are today. You may not be for everyone, but you are most definitely a person that someone out there needs right now. So join me every Wednesday to hear from aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners and see just how unique, authentic, and inspiring each person's journey is. So let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, I have Cheryl Hirsch with me. Hi, Cheryl. Hi there. <laughs> it's so nice to, to have you on. I don't even know how long we've known each other now. It's been, what, a couple years now? It's probably been a couple. Yeah, it seems like longer, though. I mean, we've worked on a bunch of stuff for for your coaching business, which we're going to talk about, but you've also been a member of my boot camp, which was really, really fun. And I'm just really happy to have you on and to have you share more about what you do. Well, thank you. I feel like we've become close friends, even though we've never met. I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. <laughs> it's the times. So tell us what you do and you can interpret that however you want <laughs> So for this part of my career, I am now practicing as a parent coach and I launched my business right before COVID hit. In addition to that, I mean, that is what my business is. But from that, it's been fun that I've been asked to be a part time instructor for the parent coaching certification program I did. So, so awesome. me, that's also part of that. Um, and I've led some workshops for a local credit union, which I'm hoping will continue to grow. Um, so I'm just looking at all the different avenues that are associated with parent coaching that also fill my soul up with, you know, with good things. And that's why I do it. So anyway, to summarize, I am a parent coach that includes other things with it. Awesome. So I know for me, when I first met you, I was like, what is a parent coach? Could you explain what a parent coach does and how it might be different than like a therapist or, or anything else? So you and I were in the same boat because I signed up for this parent coaching certification program and I wasn't really <laughs> clear what it was either, but I knew that I wanted to do it. So the whole first course is explaining the difference. So sometimes it's easier to start with what I'm not. I'm not yep. a therapist. A therapist is digging into the past and more about healing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's overlap, so I'm generalizing. And then a consultant will tell people, you know, they're paid to come in, evaluate, and then tell people what to do. And I right. don't do that either. So as a coach, I work together with the parent I feel like they are the expert of their family and I will work with them on whatever challenge they are currently experiencing as a parent. 
I do not meet with the kids, but um, my focus is on parenting and children. And then um, again, we work together to figure out what they hope to achieve um, with our coaching sessions. So I just like to give an example. Instead of looking at what a problem is and then figuring out how to fix it, what I do is I figure out their strengths, what's working really well, and mm -hmm. then what do they want their life to look like and what would that feel like? And then we take action steps to get there. So it's a real positive process. I do make offerings and suggestions and ideas, but again, it's really up to the client if they think that's gonna work for them. And if not, then we move on to something else. So it's very collaborative. That's awesome. And I think you just gave a really good definition of, you know, the differences between consultants and coaches and therapists and all these different categories that I think some people use interchangeably. And there is a distinct difference between all of them. So that was yeah. really helpful, even for me. And one other thing that I like to add is I find that coaching is very practical and it's focusing on yeah. now and the future. And it's just very practical applications for being a parent. Yeah, I like that. And I think that's applicable to any kind of coach. So that's a, another really good point. So what is, so my next question is, what is the meaning behind your business name? But your business name, like mine, is essentially your name and then, you know, what you do. So I'm curious in that naming process of your business, did you spend a lot of time like trying to find a very like creative, interesting name or were you like me and you were just like, I want to get something out there so I can start practicing? Oh no, I brainstormed forever <laughs> names. And I asked everybody that I ran into, what do you think of this name? What do you think of this name? And I had a whole list. And then a friend of my son's, I was asking her and she said, mm, that sounds like a daycare. And I went, oh, <laughs> don't, don't want it to sound like a daycare. And then someone told me, I don't remember if it was you or someone else, um, but someone I respected told me that it's really best just to use your name because in my industry, a lot of people don't know that parent coaching even exists or what it is. Right. And that it just makes sense to use my name. And so I made peace with that, even though <laughs> I was hoping to come up with something a little bit more creative, I had to let it go. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really good instinct to follow because I think for me, I, I know I, I work with branding and companies all the time. So I know deep down, it's always better to just take action and then, you know, actually start doing what you want to do and start working rather than focusing on being super creative. Because in the beginning of your career, you're not even really 100% sure what your brand is or like what that even means. I think it takes a lot of time for you to figure that out and find the clients that you want to work with and figure out what your like specific focuses are. So I think that is a really important thing that I wanted to make sure that I address on this. Um, and although you think that your name is not creative, I really like your logo and it's very simple. So tell me about that process and the visual side of the logo. So that's so funny that you bring that up as well. 
Because I didn't I, make it. <laughs> no, it was before I knew you. Yep. It was before I knew you. And visuals and logos and colors and all of that is really important to me. Like I have to really like it and I have to feel like I identify with it. Mm-hmm. And my first step was I went with someone who works for a magazine here and very, very talented. And she's a friend of my nieces and she's lovely and has done beautiful work. I went to her first and she designed a few logos for me and I just didn't feel like they spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And I just had to let that go. And I felt like part of it was I probably wasn't explaining what I did very well. But um, then I went with Fixer. Oh, you mean Fiverr? Fiverr, Fiverr, thank Fiver, you. Fiverr, yeah. there you go. I keep screwing up names. There you go. Good. Example, Fiverr. And I've heard that sometimes people have a lot of luck with it. Sometimes they don't. But this person came up with something I love because I didn't want it to look frumpy. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to have some personality to it and to use the colors that I like. And um, she came up with something that I really, really like. And I think part of it is that the logo is a little ambiguous with these circles. Mm-hmm. And I asked people, what do you think it means? And different people came up with a different meaning behind it. And I just kind of like that too. So for me, it was visually appealing and wasn't quite sure what it meant to me, but it kind of, because I have a big H in a circle mm-hmm. for Hirsch and then two smaller dots. And I thought I'm the coach and then those are the clients or it kind of looks like an et cetera, dot, dot, dot. Mm. So who knows what it means, but I just really like the way it looks. Yeah, for me, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, there's instantly this like playful vibe. Mm-hmm which I really liked. And I think it's funny. They're like, I don't know what it means. And I think that's okay. <laughs> and I think it's also funny that like you had good success on Fiverr because I think it's really hit or miss. And I'm definitely not going to like sit here and say that I love and support Fiverr because I think that it's, I don't know, it, it's tough to support something that, you know, people are charging like $5 for in my industry. Right. Like it's a, it's tough. It's a tough situation, but I also understand, um, just, just like with how people use Canva, like it's very accessible and affordable. And I think that's also really important. So that's really cool that <laughs> you found something that worked on Fiverr. That's awesome. Well, I have to say, I felt a little pang once I met you because you did a logo for a very close friend of mine who's also a coach and I loved hers and it made me wonder what you would have come up for me, like what you would have designed for me. But I have to say, I really like my logo. Yeah. I don't think we have to dwell on the what ifs. I think, (laughs) I think we, we both like it and that's, that's cool. So that's awesome. So I'm also very curious. I know a little bit about your background, but what is the, trajectory of events that led you to do what you do now or like what was the turning point in becoming a parent coach because I know that you have an education background so I'm very interested in in what led to where you are now. So it's been a little bit of a journey. I was ahead of school, yes, my whole background, education, and I wanted to transition into something else and I wasn't quite sure what. I did a brief stint in retail, 
Oh, wow. I was at the container store for eight months. Um, and one of the reasons why I did that was I really loved management. And I thought I loved supporting the teachers and growing people mm -hmm. and providing resources. So I thought, well, maybe in the retail industry, I could be a manager of a store. And I love the container store. It was a great experience, but I knew within the first week, the management <laughs> of retail was not what I was imagining. Wasn't it the to right be, direction. <laughs> That's I, so cool though. I mean, I knew that it may not be what I was looking for and I was open to that, but I have to say that experience there was wonderful and also realized that that was not going to be my career. Yeah. And earlier, when I was a middle school principal, I actually thought I might want to become a therapist. And I started checking into that. Oh, wow. But my kids were getting ready. They were in high school and they're getting ready to go to college. And I went to graduate school as an adult. So wow. I was paying off student loans. My kids are getting ready to go to college and I was seriously exploring it. And then I said to myself, oh my gosh, you are crazy. You cannot do this now. <laughs> The financial burden would have the been financial burden. How was I going to support support myself? I was so burned out. I, I was in a double because well, you're also program. a single parent, single yeah. mom. <laughs> so I just thought, like Cheryl, no. So then I was thinking, with this, I really love helping people. It's just my calling. It's just who I am. And I started thinking, do I want to become a therapist now? And I thought it really didn't make sense. And I was very interested in the coaching world. However, I was a little reticent because coaching is unregulated. Anybody yep. can say they're a coach. So yep. that bothered me. And then some programs were for three months and a couple hundred dollars. Other were for longer and were quite costly. And I am not a researcher and just couldn't get myself to really look into these programs. And then I met this woman, um, I'm on a board and she came into town and we were just talking, I'd never met her before. And she had done the PCI certification program that I did as well as her mother, who's a psychologist. Mm. And both of them said this program was exceptional. So that's all it took for me. I called the program and spoke to the founder and that was it. I thought, oh, this is my calling. I don't know exactly what a parent coach is, but I feel really good about this and I want to do it. And once I started the pro bono hours, mm -hmm. we had to do 100 hours. The second I sat down with my first client, I just knew it was the right fit. And That's it was so fun. That's yeah. awesome that you knew right away. 100 hours is a lot to, to do. Absolutely. Yeah. And the program was a full year and it was it was demanding. And now that I'm teaching, I'm a part time instructor. It's like I'm having to go back and learn it all again. But it's a really good program. And I just needed to feel that I was acting with integrity, putting the certification mm -hmm. next to my name. Yeah, no, I, I, I can definitely agree with you about the whole coach idea. I definitely don't love that it's unregulated and <laughs> it's something that I, I struggle with internally all the time. So I, I can totally understand where you're coming from with that. Um, what, what do you think is a pet peeve that you have about your industry or, you know, something, something relevant to what you do? Is there anything that really, really bothers you? Because I find that these pet peeves are things that really set people apart in their industry? Well, my pet peeve is that it is unregulated. Yep. 
<laughs> I mean, it really bothers me because I just think it makes us all a little bit questionable. And then, you know, I hear from people, oh, people don't care what your background is. They just want to connect to you. And I think that's partially true, you know, for sure. But I also feel like if somebody's working with me in that type of capacity where you are really sharing about your life and your situation and all, I feel like you need to have some credibility. It's, it's not just enough to have a lot of experience and experience for sure. But I know that through this program that I did, it gave me the framework for the coaching. It didn't give me the tools. I already had the tools, but it gave me the framework. So it's just important to me not to be like a snake charmer kind of person. Yeah. yeah. So that is my pet peeve. I wish it was regulated in some way. Yeah. I, I can totally understand that. Um, you you mentioned people sharing about their personal lives. So I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about this next question. Do you have trouble infusing your personal life into your business? Because I mean, you're not a therapist, but I mean, I can understand how you'd want to, you know, not share much about you and how that connects with, you know, your clients and, and those meetings you have with them, but also sharing things on social media and in marketing and stuff like that. Like, where is the line for you? So interestingly, one of the differences between being a parent coach and a therapist is that we do share some of our stories where appropriate. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it really is because sometimes something will come up and it just helps them relate to you. Like I'm not the expert, we're, we're equal partners. Mm -hmm. And so when I can share something or a story or, I don't know, I feel like it connects us in a real way where I'm not the person just telling them what to do, which I try not to do. But by sharing, we connect in a deeper level. And I try not to overshare as far as too many stories, but it just makes it all relatable and real and lets them know that, oh my gosh, they're not the only ones experiencing whatever it happens to be. And I think it makes people feel better. Right. Now, as far as social media, you know, you and others have pushed me to share. <laughs> it makes me feel a little uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable, but I, <laughs> it does. It's so interesting yeah. because it's so out there and it's never going away. And yet it's true that those are the posts that people connect to and comment on the most. However, I still feel like there are certain boundaries I wouldn't cross. So for example, I was trying to promote this divorce course that I was doing and I talked a lot about my divorce and I know my daughter's friends were worried that it would be upsetting to her mm -hmm. and it wasn't at all and I wouldn't have done it if it had been. Right. Um, so that sort of thing it just, I knew it was a zero thing for my children. Um, right. But people reacted to it and I just, oh gosh, that feels a little uncomfortable. But again, there was still a boundary I wouldn't cross. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely say I'm very, very open and vulnerable on social media, but when it comes to things that have to do with other people, whether it's a friend or my boyfriend, Dylan, or my family, I always ask permission if I'm even like slightly thinking that they might be uncomfortable about it. Um, so I, I can totally relate to that. Absolutely. 
Um, what, what has been the biggest struggle for you in becoming a parent coach? It's so funny to me that I have an MBA in nonprofit management and I've run a school and I feel totally clueless or felt totally clueless on what it meant to be a small business owner. Mm. There was such, and there still is, such a learning curve for me and a lot of hit or miss and trying to figure out how to set up your business. You know, you want to be an LLC or this or that. And yeah. just a lot of those pieces were and continue to be a little challenging because there's stuff that I don't really like. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. like it's like, I just, there's certain things that I don't necessarily have wanted to know in my life, even though it would be nice that I did. <laughs> Like how to change a tire and the oil on my car. Like that would be good to know, but I just really don't want to. Um, and I'm having to learn things that just really don't interest me, but I'm, and I don't feel like I've learned them well just yet, but just setting it up and all that part of it, it was really hard for me. So how did you overcome those struggles? Did you enlist other people or were there specific resources that were helpful to you? I reached out to anybody who was willing. <laughs> <laughs> the masses. No, it's so funny because I was like, oh my gosh, this whole checklist of what I needed to do. I am somebody that doesn't like to look things up on my own. I just don't enjoy that. Mm -hmm. I like somebody telling me and teaching me versus me, you know, Googling and reading and trying to figure it out. And I just kept coming across people and they would recommend someone and then this person would recommend it. So for example, setting up my business, someone recommended, I can't even remember who it was now. She was, I think she was a parent coach. It was interesting how many people I started to connect with. And she told me about this company that she used and how great they were. And so instead of going to a lawyer, I used this company and they set it up beautifully. I have this whole notebook with all my documents in it. Um, and I think you gave me my bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. um, somebody found you for me. Yeah. And the bookkeeper helped me set up my QuickBooks because I didn't know how to do that. So just different people have recommended people along the way. So I know I like to be helpful to others that are in the same boat because I just found that really hard. Yeah, I think in the beginning of starting my journey to entrepreneurship, I was afraid to ask questions because, I mean, I was young. I was 25. So I feel like I wasn't really fully me yet. Um, and even though I'm a very confident person, I wanted to exude this confidence and I wanted people to think that I knew it all and that I was professional and that I didn't need help. When in reality, like we all need help like all the time and it's always better to ask the questions and to poll people on Facebook and ask your friends for connections to lawyers and bookkeepers and, and all these people because we all think we have to do everything ourselves when in reality it's it's really better for everyone involved to get help and you're probably not going to do it right if you don't know what the heck you're doing in QuickBooks. <laughs> like it took me like probably a solid two and a half years to understand how to reconcile my own books. Like it takes time to, to learn all this stuff. So knowing well, you're not alone is good. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, anything to do with the government. So like the tax, oh, yeah. all that it's is like anxiety. 
cause <laughs> like I don't want them to come after me because I made some stupid mistake I didn't know anything about. So that always, when it comes to taxes and stuff, I get really nervous. And you recommended the lawyer who who drew up my agreement. Oh yeah. And it's so funny with QuickBooks. I didn't even know you were supposed to reconcile for some reason. And somebody told me that went, oh my <laughs> gosh, you know, and I don't know how to fix it, but I know how to reconcile. You can teach me how to fix it. It's so funny. So I, I just keep learning things along the way. And then I feel like I get a certain set of skills down and go, okay, I know how to do that now. And then it's like, oh, there's this whole other layer or a whole other steps that I'm supposed to be doing. So it just, it's just an ongoing learning experience. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's always ongoing. There's always things that are going to be changing. Like I know I use Calendly now to book all of my my calls and appointments. And I literally just started using it like two months ago. And it was because I didn't want to learn another thing. I didn't want to have another username and password and something else to manage. But after I really started to to use it and get the flow down, it's made my life so much easier. <laughs> but it's just that like initial boundary of like, oh, I have to learn something new. It's it can be a little overwhelming on top of everything else that you are doing already. Yeah, I haven't gotten there. I keep thinking, but I've just had so much to learn that mm -hmm. I thought I just couldn't decide if I was there yet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's about the thought of it. It was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I have it in me to learn something else <laughs> right this second. So I'm still booking my appointments the old fashioned way. And that's fine. I did that for literally four years, right? Like we all, <laughs> I mean, I still use like Google Sheets for most of my like project management. I've, I've tried different project management softwares and I cannot find one that I like, but that's not to say I won't find one in like six months. <laughs> it's just, it just goes to show that things are constantly changing. It's okay to, to do things your way as long as it works for you and it feels good. Yeah, at least for a while. I just feel like, especially in the area of technology, as you know, mm -hmm. be between learning the basic, basic, basics of QuickBooks, and then I have MailChimp when I started to do my newsletter, which was a whole other thing, and then learning Canva and just all these other things. It's really good for me, and I'm glad I'm learning. It just, I, it just takes me a little while to get accustomed. Yeah, of course. And I think that's totally natural. So I, I want to switch gears a little bit. I have a very random question for you. This is something that I ask my branding clients just to make them think outside the box. But if you were a car or if your brand was a car, what kind of car would you be? We can walk through this if you don't know. <laughs> no, it's really funny because this is when you said that, this is what comes to mind. <laughs> so I drive an old Lexus like I didn't buy it new I bought it from my nephew and I won't go into that story for this podcast <laughs> okay fine. I felt like a Lexus represents me well and it represents my business of how I want to be present in the world so the Lexus it's older which I am older <laughs> which I'm proud of I'm older and yet the car is still kind of classy, but it's also fun. Mm -hmm. And it never, I feel like this kind of car that I'm driving really never gets outdated. You know, there's certain cars, it doesn't matter how old they are. They don't look old necessarily. Yeah, yeah I know and what you it mean. Just, it's fun. And I want to be known as a professional 
but also somebody that's very real. And it's, it's, I want coaching to also be fun, something that people look forward to. Um, and I also worry because there is ageism out there. I don't want people to think because I'm older, I want them to think I have experience, but I'm not outdated. And I sometimes do it myself where I wonder about someone, like, are they current with the information they have? So I think, I think the car I have is kind of suits me. Kind of perfect. I know. I feel like mine is too. Um, you bring up a really good point about ageism because I am 29. So I'm younger than you, of course. And I definitely find myself when I'm looking even at like doctors or I don't know, people who you think you, you want them to be more experienced. But when I see them and I see like an old guy, I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. He seems too old (laughs) to be my doctor, which is like crazy. But I think that's a, a really important distinction and also a different kind of problem or struggle or, or obstacle that you probably have to think about and consider in your life that I don't have to think about and consider. I just never really thought of that. So I think that's interesting that you you brought that up. I'm very aware of it. And I think because I probably worry about stigmatizing other people in that way. And I've also learned through just being an, you know, an administrator in the school that it's good to have people of different ages on your team. Absolutely. I hear a lot, you know, complaints about millennials and all that. And, you know, we've, we all have struggles with people. It's not about their age, but I really enjoy having friends and business people and colleagues of people of all different ages, because I think young people are sometimes underestimated mm-hmm. and it just, I just think we all bring something different to the table that I find exciting. So I, I really love having different people of different ages to work with and to brainstorm with in whatever capacity it happens to be, even friends. Yeah. I think that's something that's really refreshing to hear from someone who is older than me because I think I think a lot of my uh my my parents friends are and even my dad my dad I have caught him saying like oh millennials and I had to explain to him that like some of his favorite co-workers are millennials and he's like what like I think a lot of older people don't understand that millennials like aren't low like low 20s like they think that we're stuck in like the 20 age <laughs> when most of them are in their 30s and he didn't even realize that and he was like oh well I take that back (laughs) so there's just like a a funny like learning curve with with that too but I love that you said that about having different people's people of different ages on a different team and and working with people I I, we definitely found that in the boot camp that you were a part of everyone was different ages lived in you know different parts of the country did different things but having everyone's perspective was so valuable I feel like your generation is very different I was just talking about this with someone where when I was your age I don't think it occurred to me to be friends with older people (laughs) and I know I had some teacher friends who were older but just generally speaking it would not have occurred to me to outside of the work environment 
because we were teachers, but to actually be friends with people of all different ages. And it feels like your generation doesn't, I don't think y'all think about it. Like my nieces and my daughter, like I have friends, my daughter is 32, my son's 34, but I have a, a friend independent of my daughter with no connection that I would consider close friends. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they think anything about that I'm twice their age. <laughs> no, one of my best friends, I would say she's in her forties. Like <laughs> I forget. She talks about like perimenopause and I'm like, whoa, like it's like moments <laughs> like that. I'm like, oh my God, we are totally different generations. But I, I think, I, I wonder why that is. I mean, y'all just seem so much more open to it, but I also wonder if it's because y'all are closer to your parents in a way that my generation oh, was interesting. That's a really good point. An interesting idea. Yeah. We can do a whole podcast on that. Someday. I know what a tangent. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Getting back on track. What, when was the last time someone said that's so on brand for you? Or is there a time when anyone has been like, Oh, Cheryl, that's so on brand for you. Or when has I, it been me? <laughs> you know, when I most hear it, when I was doing the your boot camp, mm -hmm. and we would look when I would design something on social media, which I've been taking a break. I don't know if you've noticed or not. Or um, it's good. Everyone needs a social media. Oh break. Gosh, I just don't have it in me right now. But um, I would design something, and people would say that's so on brand. Like it really looks like you. And what, what was the context? Well, let's say I'm designing something on Canva and my colors and I love the circles for my logo and that they looked at it and thought, even if it was a little different than I had been doing, they said, we would see that and know that's, that's you, that that's Hirsch Parent Coaching. Because there's just like little visual cues that are pointing them in that direction, whether yeah. it's. I the use so. of color, but in like a different fashion or, I don't I know, your circles, your circles make everything more fun. Yeah. So I, I think that's part of it. And also the colors, because it's really funny. I I can't remember if it was boot camp. It might have been boot camp. I was on a video. It was a Zoom, but I was in downstairs, my kitchen, where you could see into my living area. And I have my logo colors all over my house. Oh my God. <laughs> they're not colors that I would have thought that I like. I would they're orange and like I a know. almost limey green and a gray. I, if you ask me my favorite color, it would never occur to me to say orange. And yet <laughs> I have two chairs in my living area that are orange and the pillows on my bed are orange and lime green. So it's very funny to me that those colors speak to me and then separately, I, you know, when I was working with the people from Fiverr about what colors I wanted, I thought those are the colors I want. So it just, mm. it's just funny. It is funny. Well, I think the, the orange and the green, they're, they're bright and they're cheery and they're positive. Um, but they are strong colors. So a, a lot of people, I, don't, I mean, honestly, I don't know if I've ever heard a single human being in my life say that orange is their favorite color, but Please, if you're listening and you want to prove me wrong, let me know. But I think it's just like a bold color and most people are drawn to like the blues and purples and the, the darker greens. But I think those cheery colors really bring that positive vibe in. I think that's 
the playfulness that, that you were aiming for. So I think that works. And it's a good point to bring up that just because your favorite color is blue doesn't mean your logo should be blue. You should be thinking about your, your brand and what it stands for and what you want people to, to get from it. So, so in the same vein as the last question, tell me a childhood story or a moment that is totally on brand for you. And I think this is a fun question because I know looking back in, in my childhood, I can identify some moments where I was like, oh, that's so funny. Like, that's totally something I would I would do now. Or like, I totally understand why I reacted that way. So I'm interested in hearing what your thoughts are. Okay, a funny story from my childhood. It doesn't have to be funny, but something that's just very on brand for you. Like I was always very independent, even as a kid. I have lots of stories about that. And I think that tells a lot about why I'm I'm doing the things that I'm doing now. Is there anything that you were attracted to um, as a child or, you know, middle school, high school, college, whatever it may be? Well, when you were talking about childhood, it just, it brought up my, my best friend and she's still my best friend. Like we've been best friends since we were babies, but we would go and do just crazy things. We were like good girls, but we went and we would <laughs> sell rocks or we'd sell rocks. Yeah, and we'd paint pictures and go door to door and oh. people buy them. And we were just like goofy. But you know, with that same person, what comes to mind is when I I was a year older than her and I was getting ready to graduate college and she was gonna still be in college and I was moving on to new adventures we went whitewater rafting in Idaho. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I remember asking my dad to pay for it and convincing him how it was important that Marla and I had this last big adventure <laughs> together. So I just think that I'm somebody, even though I think I'm risk averse, I just take, I do kind of risky things as far as life changes and moving and different things. I guess I like adventure as long as it's careful adventure. Like I'm not way out there. Yeah, you're not like spontaneous, but you're, you're not adverse to taking risks or going on adventures. Yeah. So I just think I've been on a lot of adventures in a way with this particular friend and just how I, I just did some things that were not necessarily mainstream with my life and living abroad and all sorts of stuff or moving to Los Angeles, you know, earlier in my life. I just, I don't know. I like change. I think I like change. And as long as something feels good to me, I'll, I'll do it. Wow. I would never in a million years tell anyone that I, I like change. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so the opposite. And honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that about you just like knowing you personally, but now that you've, you've said that and you've explained it a bit, yeah, I think that that does make sense. But I also think that it's on on brand for you to, I don't know, like, I feel like a lot of people are misjudged. Like, I remember seeing your your photo when I was working on your website way back in the day, our like first project together. And I was like, oh, she seems like a, a sweet woman. Not that you're not sweet, but I would never know that you took all these risks and you you've made all these changes and gone on all these adventures. So I think that there's always more than meets the eye for sure. So that's very cool. My last question for you is when I say what is one of the funniest things that you've ever witnessed, 
is there anything that comes to mind? Because I think a person's sense of humor tells a lot about them. This was just really funny to me, like where I couldn't stop laughing, but I don't think, I don't know if anybody else would think it was funny, but I have to give a little context. Yeah, let's do it. I was visiting my, my the same person that I've been talking about in Israel. Mm -hmm. And I was at her home and her youngest daughter was there, but she's in her 20s. So she's not a little girl. And in Judaism, we give a Hebrew name to people. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, it's a Hebrew name, but also a Yiddish name, which probably makes no sense to you. But I don't know why we do it because we don't even use it, but you do have another name, but you never use it. And since her daughter was born in Israel, she just has her name. She doesn't have a Hebrew name. I mean, okay. it is a Hebrew name, but it's different. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of like old school names, like you're named after a deceased relative to remember them. And they're old, funny names that nobody would use anymore. So without thinking, I called my best friend her Hebrew name, and her daughter had no idea about this custom. <laughs> and oh, wow. to translate her Hebrew name, it means beautiful queen. <laughs> oh my God, that's cute. <laughs> It may not sound funny, but it was just so funny that she learned this fun fact about her mother, because when we're together, they get a kick out of it. Like her kids yeah. get a kick because we, Marlon and I go back so far. Mm -hmm. So first of all, she didn't even know that you have this name. And then that the name for her mother means beautiful queen that just really pushed her over the edge. And she could not stop laughing, like rolling on the floor laughing. And we were all just laughing so hard over the silly thing, but I just won't forget it because she was so tickled by it, learning this new thing about her mother. And just, we were all on the floor laughing uncontrollably for a very long time. I find that like inside jokes between friends are always like the most funny things. And then you try and explain it to people and they're like, oh, that's fun. But they, yeah, they don't get it to you but it was one of the funniest moments because it happened a few years ago and i still think back about it and we still joke and we can all just start laughing because it was just that funny yeah it's just like a, a little moment of of connection but that's funny that the, the translation is beautiful queen yes so her <laughs> i mean she like that her mother would be called a beautiful queen was like just <laughs> Oh, well, I think God. about my mom, if that was what hers translated right. to, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was just the funniest thing ever. And her daughter's, you know, always laughing and just a happy, happy, go lucky person. But we just, I just can't tell you, there were tears coming to our eyes because we couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. Just a good moment between really good friends. Absolutely. Very wholesome. I love that. <laughs> All right. Well, we are nearing the end. I want to make sure I give you some time to, you know, promote anything that you want to promote or tell people how they can get in touch with you and connect with you. Thank you for that opportunity. If anybody's interested, you can reach out to Kristen. If you're a good friend, she can tell you how to reach me, but I do have a website and it's hirschparentcoaching.com. I have a newsletter that just once a month called The Parent Brief that's got tips and just things that I love, um, usually related to parenting, but not always. And um, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I also do small group. And I've started to work a lot with people going through divorce. I'm getting more and more clients in that area. And again, my focus is on the children and how to parent well so your 
children um, are in a good place going through the process because a lot of times unintentionally um, they have a harder time because parents are so distracted and emotional during a difficult time. So again, I don't work with kids, but I work with parents of kids of all ages. I actually like, except for babies, mm -hmm. I actually like having a variety. So um, if anybody's just having a struggle and they'd love to talk with me, I give a, you know, no charge, it's free, no obligation discovery call just to see if we're a good fit. And I would love the opportunity to work with anyone interested. Awesome. And where can we find you on social media? Where are you the most active? I do weekly videos on Facebook. Oh, yes. Great. Try to make them five minutes. Some are a little bit longer. <laughs> and I'm also on Instagram. So it's Hirsch Parent Coaching. And my business page on Facebook is Hirsch Parent Coaching as well. So you can find me there. Awesome. And I'll link all of this in the, the show notes so people will be able to find you. But yes, um, they can always contact me. I love hyping up my people. You are my people, Cheryl. And You're my person too. <laughs> love you. And thank you so much for being on my podcast, even though I'm completely winging it as we speak. <laughs> no, you did great. And I just feel so honored that you gave me the opportunity to be on your podcast. So thank you so, so much. Of course. Um, all right. So links are in the show notes and be sure you give Cheryl a follow and contact her if you want to get in touch and inquire about working together. But thanks again, Cheryl. And I will see you all. By see you all, you'll all hear me next week. <laughs> Bye, Cheryl. Bye-bye. Take care.